You've tuned into The Dr. Lowe Show with naturopathic doctor, Dr. Lauren Noel, where you hear the best in natural medicine, nutrition, and mindset from the world's top doctors, authors, influencers, and Dr. Lowe herself. Trying just to pop a pill for a symptom? You've got the wrong exit. Seeking doable ways to live a happier, healthier life and have fun doing it? Welcome to The Dr. Lowe Show. Hello, welcome to another episode of the Dr. Low Radio Show. It's so good to have you. Thank you for joining me. I threw out Dr. Low Radio. That's like an old school term for this podcast. I love it. For any of you who have been following me since the Dr. Low Radio Show days, thank you for being with me and um, following me along on this journey. I am a naturopathic doctor. For those of you who are not familiar with me, I practice here in the San Diego area, work with patients locally, as well as all over the country via phone and zoom. My focus is mainly hormones. I work a lot with fertility and I see a lot of digestive disorders as well as autoimmune conditions. So that's a lot of what I do. I've been doing this podcast for 12 years now, and it's been a lot of fun. I am I'm really passionate about hormones. I am really passionate about it because of my own issues growing up with thyroid problems, my own history with PCOS, and just feel like there's so much information out there that isn't known by the average person. And I just want to be able to really empower you guys to have this information. So before we dive into the episode, a couple of things I wanted to say, number one is if you are listening to this show, if you've been listening to episodes and feel like you need some support with your own health, you feel like you want to get some guidance, want to get some testing done. Maybe you're suspecting you have PCOS. Maybe you're suspecting you have something else going on. Maybe you just don't have as much energy as you think you should, or maybe your sleep isn't very good or your mood isn't, you know, as balanced as you feel like it needs to be. Maybe you're dealing with anxiety or depression, um, brain fog, chronic pain, skin issues. I mean, anything you might be feeling and you just want some help looking into it happy to work with you. I work with patients again, locally in San Diego and all over the country. So if you're not local, it's no issue whatsoever. So we do real extensive testing. We look into food sensitivities, leaky gut testing, hormone testing, adrenals, you name it, we look into it. So you can learn more about my practice over at shinenaturalmedicine.com and reach out to us and happy to get you signed up as a patient. So other than that, I wanted to give some love to our show sponsor, Paleo Valley. On this episode, we're talking about PCOS. We're talking about ways to help address this condition naturally, also with nutrition and natural medicine really shines when it comes to hormone conditions, as well as PCOS in particular, one nutrient that we know of in the research that's been really beneficial for this is turmeric. So turmeric is an anti-inflammatory spice from Southeast Asia. Of course, we've heard about it, but in particular for PCOS, it has some really potent benefits. It's an anti-inflammatory. It helps with insulin resistance, which you'll hear more in this episode is at the root of PCOS. So up to 70% of women PCOS have some degree of insulin resistance. And so turmeric has been shown to be extremely beneficial for this. It can improve the blood sugar levels. It actually can increase good cholesterol, which is your HDL. 
They can lower inflammation. So um, CRP, that's inflammation scores and the research it's been shown to reduce that. We know that women with PCOS have higher CRP levels than um, women without it. So really incredible tool for this. And it's just great as a wellness option too, right? It's just, it's, it's a preventative nutrient. We know that there's been research findings to show that it's preventative for cancer, for brain health, brain protection, so many amazing benefits. So huge fan of turmeric and anything else that Paleo Belly has, honestly, it's very high quality. They're high integrity company. So check them out. You can go over to paleovalley.com, get their turmeric, anything else they carry, and then get your discount. If you enter Dr. Lowe at checkout, you'll get 15% off. All right, my friends, let's jump into the episode and talk about PCOS from a natural perspective. And I hope you enjoy. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. Looking forward to this topic. I was just telling my guests offline before I started recording that this is something that I treat all the time. As you guys know, fertility is a big focus with my practice. So I'm I'm really looking forward to this topic. This is something that so many women deal with, and I'm sure many of you listening is some, you've dealt with this. I actually have dealt with this myself. I'll share a little bit of my personal story, but excited to have this topic. So we're talking about PCOS. My guest is Corey Ruth. She is a registered dietitian nutritionist, and she's a women's health expert. She's the founder and principal of the women's dietitian and an Instagram account. So if you check them out at women's dietitian, and it's a private practice and digital platform for women seeking nutrition support for hormone balance, for PCOS, fertility, as well as weight management. And she specializes in PCOS, which is what we're talking about on this episode. And she's also the creator of the successful online programs, get pregnant with PCOS and the PCOS boss Academy. And it's through these programs that she's able to help countless women on their journeys to weight loss and fertility with PCOS, because just because you have PCOS, it does not mean that you are infertile, which is the the case for my story. And many of my listeners, many of my patients diagnosis of infertility, definitely not the case. Recently, Corey has launched a PCOS supplement and a protein powder line called Vita PCOS to further support women with PCOS symptom management. So Corey, welcome to the show. It's so good to have you. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Very happy to be here today and talk more about this super, super important and pretty common condition. It's one of those topics that women have to really do their own education about because they're not going to get all of the information from their primary care. It's just, it's one of those conditions that's just managed with medication. And, and it's just really sad. It's one of those issues that when patients come to see me and they haven't seen someone naturally based for PCOS, I, I always feel so bad for them because it's a lot of times it's a long road to getting help. So I'm so happy that we're able to have technology to share and, and reach ladies. So they're able to go to their doctor equipped with, with this information. So let's dive into it. Why is this even something you're into? Did you deal with this personally? Not to be too much into your business, but why is PCOS something that you educate about? Yeah, no such thing as TMI. Yes, I have PCOS also. When I first went into dietetics, I got my degree, my credentials. I was you know, thinking about opening a private practice. And I thought the one thing I'm not going to do is specialize in PCOS. That thing Mm -hmm. is so complicated. It is so complex. I don't want to touch that with a 60 foot pole. Here we are. And once I understood what my diagnosis was, I really realized the huge connection between nutrition and diet and lifestyle and PCOS. 
And I thought, what better way to bridge the gap using my training as a dietitian and really work to fill the void that you mentioned about some of the lack of access we have to materials and information and, and research evidence-based guidelines outside of take a birth control pill or come back when you want to get pregnant. So it, we really lack that. And so that's what I aim to do is really to be able to help women and fill that role and help them understand how they can take active steps to mm-hmm. manage this condition. Cause it, yeah. it, it is a beast and <laughs> it is really complex. I still agree with myself there, but yeah, I've just fallen in love with being in this space and mm-hmm. dealing with it myself. It's like this constant passion to, to know yeah. more, to learn more, to do more. Oh my gosh. And you can help women so much with it. So was it one of those things where you started seeing people with PCOS and then you found out you had it, or was it, you had it first and then you, okay. Learned how to help yourself. And then you started helping others. Yeah. I was not given a formal diagnosis until my late twenties, but mm-hmm. I, I was always like, it was sus. I was like, okay, I think I have yeah. this. I knew already before I got my diagnosis. So I decided to go into PCOS just a little by little dip my toes into the water. And then I thought, oh my gosh, it was like an outpouring of all these women who were like, I have questions too. I need help too. And so once I understood that, that I wasn't alone in that, that's when I decided to really dive into all of the research and start to specialize in this area. Yeah. Yeah. So do you mind me asking what were some of the symptoms that made it sus for you? So yeah, irregular periods, just like first and foremost. And it's so interesting because PCOS looks so different on everybody looks different than yours and yours looks different than the same woman next to us in the, in the room with the same diagnosis. So not everybody who has PCOS has irregular cycles. It's very common though. So I remember being in high school and college and listening to my girlfriends talk about how their period was coming on Friday. And I was like, is it coming on Friday? Like how, how right. How do you know that? that? Like, <laughs> what? Do you, I don't even know when I don't do you have a crystal ball was. Yeah. And I don't even know when the next one's coming. Like, what do you mean it's coming on Friday? So that was so interesting to me. And I had no idea like what was going on with my body and why I felt so, I felt so different. And when you're in your very basic, like rudimentary sex ed classes, in like high school, you get, you're taught that everyone has a 28 day cycle. So right. I was like, wait, 28 days, like mine is not 28 days. So I, I always knew something was off there, but I didn't know what it was. I also dealt with a lot of blood sugar regulation issues, a lot of like reactive hypoglycemia, mm-hmm. I, that in myself. And I also just, there's lots of symptoms of PCOS, but those were the main ones that I dealt with. And I really noticed a huge connection between my stress levels and how my PCOS was showing up when I was yeah. at my most stressed at my worst there, not taking care of my body, my diet, my not exercising, all of that stuff, my PCOS just flared like a mother. So yeah. <laughs> I started to realize that. Well, it makes sense because it's affecting your blood sugar and that's exactly. at the core of it. So when you, for people who don't know what that means, what do you mean by reactive hypoglycemia? Sure. So that's basically when you get low blood sugar. And it can happen a variety of different reasons, but it's pretty common in limited PCOS as well as having high blood sugar. And that's where Mm -hmm. we get things like insulin resistance. So it makes you feel really weak, shaky, like you can feel sweaty, disoriented until you get some kind of food in you, like a carb or hangry. We, yeah, I have a product exactly. here at my office, a, a supplement that I named hangry by because it I just, love, it, it's magic it. for it, but yeah, you just want to bite someone. That. <laughs> <laughs> <Trademark it. laughs> I should, it's a very good mm-hmm. idea. 
Yeah, it's really good stuff. So let's talk about, so what is PCOS? There's a lot of confusion about it. Yeah. So PCOS stands for polycystic ovary syndrome. And there's basically three different diagnostic criteria. And in order to be diagnosed, you only need to meet two out of the three. Some might meet all three, but one of them is to have um, irregular periods. So irregular cycles, and that can, that can run the gamut too. I want to clarify that because Mm -hmm. some women with PCOS can go like years without seeing a period and some women are bleeding constantly. So there's really no like pattern or rhyme or reason there. It can show up. However, the second thing is to have either clinically. So either you're showing symptoms physically, or you have lab work that shows elevated androgens and those are male sex hormones. And that can cause things like facial and body hair growth, acne, hair loss on the head, It can cause irregular cycles. So that's one other thing. And then the last one is, and this is the most confusing one, polycystic ovaries on ultrasound. You have to have a pelvic ultrasound, but these are, when I say, excuse me, polycystic ovaries, I don't, I'm not talking about the types of cysts that can rupture and burst and cause pain. Mm -hmm. We've all heard horror stories. I had a cyst rupture. It was the size of a grapefruit. That's not associated with PCOS. And that's That's one of the really important. I've never heard someone explain that. That's really important to differentiate. Yes. So many people are so confused about that. And it is confusing, but what those are, what those little cysts are, why they look like a string of pearls, you'll hear it described like that, is those are actually just tiny, immature, underdeveloped follicles. Our ovaries are growing follicles throughout our phase of our follicular phase in hopes to ovulate. So it's kind of like a bunch of them growing and they're all competing to ovulate and none of them are winning. Mm-hmm. So that's what those like are. like a traffic are. jam in your ovary. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> they don't cause pain. They don't rupture. Yeah. Now you can concurrently have ovarian cysts and those cause pain, but the, the cysts that we see in PCOS are not the type that cause physical pain. So pain is not a symptom of PCOS. And that's one of the biggest misconceptions. That so question on that sidebar then. So for yeah. the whole cyst that ruptures and it's painful, yeah. what's that about? Yeah, those are likely ovarian. I mean, pelvic pain can have a lot of different causes, but those are likely ovarian cysts and Mm -hmm. those are separate. There's all different types out there. Some of them are more normal. Some of them are more troublesome and more concerning, Mm -hmm. Um, but those can happen to anyone, PCOS or not. So you can have just healthy woman. I mean, you could be healthy with PCOS, but you know what I'm saying? Health balance to hormones and you can just have a random one-off cyst first. Totally. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So back to the PCOS. So technically you could have PCOS without any cysts. That's the, the yeah. weird part about this diagnosis. Yes. And you can have them without any irregular cycles. You can have PCOS without having irregular periods. You can get a normal 28 day period and still have PCOS if you meet the other two criteria. Right. So let's talk yeah. about symptoms and you can also, uh, there's confusion around it too, because the kind of the stereotypical PCOS picture visually would be an overweight woman who has hair growth on her face. She may have hair loss on her forehead area, be overweight, maybe a bigger belly because of the insulin right. resistance. But you may have a woman who looks nothing like that. All the hair, no hair growth on her face, right. no overweight issue. And that's because maybe she shaves her face. Maybe she has hair extensions. And also you may not necessarily be overweight with right. PCOS. So it's, it's not always one size fits all. Yeah. Totally. Yes, exactly. Yeah. You can have more, what we consider to be adrenal based PCOS. And that's that Mm -hmm. really big stress component. 
You can also, I've had tons of patients who are in, have a lower BMI and their testosterone is like through the roof and they're not getting yeah. a period. So the androgens don't always go along with a larger body size. When I was at my heaviest weight in college, I would have been considered more kind of leaning towards that insulin resistance, that type of PCOS. But if I walked into a doctor's office now, they would have never diagnosed me that way. So there's huge issues with that whole part of PCOS too. I find that for a lot of the women um, who have the adrenal type of PCOS, I find a lot of them actually lift weights, a lot of heavy weights. I'm conflicted about it because I like weights for women. Right. So what's your take on that? Yeah. So there's no one workout that's bad for PCOS. Just like mm -hmm. with food, there's really no one food that we have to completely eliminate. Everything is about moderation and finding what works best for you. Some of us, our bodies respond better to adding in some strength training. Some of us more cardio. I like to recommend a mix of three different types of workouts in my practice. So cardio, more strength training, resistance type of training. And then also what I call restorative workouts, which would be things more like hiking, slow biking, walking, yoga, that type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and in my practice doing testing on adrenals, so if someone has like this adrenal PCOS, it's like right. maybe doing the heavy weights and intervals <laughs> and all that just isn't really the, the right type of movement right now. So you may need to scale it back and just kind of be in vacation mode for even a couple months or longer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep, yep. You got to find what works best for you. What are some of the most common symptoms? Anything else we haven't talked about? Symptom wise? Yeah, no, I think, yeah. Again, the main ones. Yeah, no, those are the main symptoms of PCOS. There's lots of, we see things commonly associated with it, like fatigue, lots yeah. of women because of this blood sugar dysregulation that they're experiencing and these big insulin dumps and spikes, they can feel fatigued all the time. And they have lots of cravings. We see mm -hmm. that a lot. That's again, down to that blood sugar component. We also see more rates of higher rates of things like anxiety and depression. And yeah. to me, just speaking from my personal experience so long ago, it really makes sense, right? Because if our hormones, if we didn't have PCOS and say we were, our hormones were completely balanced, perfectly happening when they should be, you, you have these four distinct phases of your cycle and you can really learn how you feel throughout each phase. And you can anticipate that if you have PCOS and your hormones are all over the place and you're, you're ovulating either inconsistency inconsistently or not at all, your hormones are not, they're not happy. They're not balanced. So we see lots of mood issues, sleep disturbances, higher reactions to things like higher sensitivity levels to things like stress. So there's a lot of things associated with it that aren't diagnostic criteria, but we do see really, really frequently in PCOS. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Um, Cause a lot of it is the blood sugar things. So you're going to have so much with mood stabilization and energy. And I find a lot of women with this urinate frequently, they may have sleep mm -hmm. issues. So urinating throughout the night yes. and so much of that is adrenal. Yeah. Yes, totally. And that's the huge connection between diet and PCOS and how it's absolutely critical to adjust your diet and change the way that you're eating in order to get control over your PCOS. It's essential. Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. Another hidden cause that I've seen over the years that I didn't really look for earlier when I was practicing is different environmental toxins. Mm -hmm. I've had a few cases with patients where they've eaten really well. It didn't seem like they had adrenal fatigue. Mm -hmm. Testing didn't really show that blood sugar seemed pretty, pretty balanced in, in terms of that, but then doing some environmental toxin testing, they had higher phthalates and BPA and glyphosate. And we know that there's some links in the research with that. So I think that's really interesting. 
Totally. Yeah. We've got lots more research coming out about those endocrine disruptors and it's mm-hmm. totally fascinating. I do touch on that a bit. Yeah. So let's talk about solutions for patients. I know a lot of women listening are dealing with this and they may be feeling discouraged. Maybe they're on medications for it. Maybe they're not feeling they have a lot of options. So what are some really effective tools that you found for managing this? Maybe nutrition, different lifestyle changes. Yeah, totally. As I mentioned, blood sugar management, I harp on that all day long is really key. That is at the forefront of everything. And when I say that it's not like a super sexy topic, right? It's blood sugar. Yeah. It's like, Um, all right, cool. (laughs) But it is so important because that is, we want to keep blood sugar levels stable. That helps our sex hormones feel nice and comfy and safe and allow them to do their thing. Also, when our blood sugar is not as regulated as it could be, should be, it's sending messages down to our ovaries to pump out more androgens, which are those Mm. male sex hormones like testosterone. So that's the connection between diet. And if you're somebody who has elevated testosterone, there's a a direct connection there. So Mm. as far as ways to better manage your blood sugar, we live in, at least here in the West, we live in in a a society and food wise, culturally, that is so carb centric. And carbs are essential. They're healthy. There's lots of good things about carbs, but in my experience and in my perspective, we overdo it and we don't realize that. So really focusing more on protein and fiber and fat and less on carbohydrates. I typically will recommend keeping carbohydrate percentages. If you're doing, if you have your total calories for the day, you're trying to figure out how many of those calories should I be dedicating to carbohydrates if I have PCOS, I typically recommend anywhere between like on average 15 to 30%. And mm-hmm. if you look at like standard dietary guidelines, it's always 50%, 50 right. that it should be carbohydrates. And that's a lot for people who aren't like athletes and we're trying to get a, a grip on our blood sugar and avoid things like diabetes. That's a lot. So yeah. I think we're, we lean in, in too far in that direction. And it's really important when we are doing our carbohydrates whatever carb we're doing, we're pairing those carbs with a protein because that's going to help to slow down a blood sugar spike. So always my classic example is if you're doing like a banana, say you set up your breakfast, right? You've got a bowl of oatmeal and you've got a little bit, a teeny little bit of sugar in there. So you're not feeling like you're overdoing it. Great. But then you're also adding raisins in there and you're slicing bananas on top. Mm-hmm. You've got carbs. So that's when we really need to think of shift our focus. What can we do to add some protein in there and bring that carb count down? Because that's going to take you like on a one-way ticket to blood sugar spike town. So yeah, yeah. maybe <laughs> add in some protein powder to those oats and take off some of the raisins and the fruit. Cause you've already got a lot of carbs in the morning right there with the oats. Thinking about meals in that way can be really helpful. The other thing we can do is try to add in more fiber. They're consistently low in fiber. We talk about fiber a lot for digestion, but fiber is actually one of our most powerful tools for regulating blood sugar. So making sure you're getting enough beans, lentils, nuts, seeds, chia, and flax are great. Avocado is a really good source of fiber, actually. So oats are are good too, higher in carbohydrates. But, and of course, lots of vegetables. If you go out to any restaurant, I always laugh at like the parsley sprig on the plate. Mm -hmm, Um, I always eat it. Yeah, (laughs) good. Uh, It's actually good for blood. But uh, vegetables are like the afterthought, right? They're like the topping. They're like thrown on there. But vegetables are so important if you have PCOS because they have antioxidants 
anti-inflammatories with, we, we have lots of studies on women at PCOS having higher levels of inflammatory markers. Mm-hmm. Um, so we want to work on that. And also they're high in fiber. So really yep. make, highlighting those and not letting those be like the afterthought is such a great way to approach setting up your meals in a blood sugar friendly, PCOS friendly way. Yeah. It's so great. Yeah. The fiber helping balance that blood sugar and then helping to eliminate the bad bacteria through the gut, such a huge gut PCOS connection. My brother has figured out this really cool way to tweak his oatmeal to make it healthier. He makes rice cauliflower. He cooks that and he adds that to his oatmeal. You cannot even taste it. My brother wouldn't even like touch a vegetable. So this is a miracle. He worked with a nutritionist at Incursion to do that. So that adds some really amazing fiber to it. And then he adds peanut butter to it. Mm-hmm. and some collagen protein. So Perfect. like you said, just okay. easy little tweaks, right? Helping with yes. the protein, the fat, the fiber. Oh, that's really key question for you. What are you, what's your take on different types of diets? So like intermittent fasting versus maybe three meals a day versus five meals so eating every two to three hours. What do you think is best for PCOS? So in my experience and my practice, what I found to be the most helpful, and we're looking at the research too, if we're looking at something like intermittent fasting, the majority of research studies that we have are small and they're done on men. Women are not mm-hmm. small men. Nope, <laughs> <And> thank you. <laughs> so we, we can't always base intermittent fasting. If your husband or brother or whatever wants to, good, intermittent fast your heart out. But for us, <laughs> if we have PCOS, our blood sugar is so sensitive. Yeah. So my recommendation is to do three meals and two snacks a day. So the reason why is because if we go a long period of time without eating, our blood sugar dips. And then when we do eat, we feel like, oh, I need to make up for lost time. I'm going to pack my plate because I don't know when I'm going to eat again. So we get a big insulin spike and we have these big peaks and valleys. And in Mm -hmm. reality, what we really want is to keep that line kind of steady eddy. So if we do smaller meals and add in, make room for protein rich snacks, our blood sugar is going to be more stable throughout the day. That's going to give you better energy and also intermittent fasting this is not sustainable for the long term. Like imagine if you're like, you start intermittent fasting when you're 25 and then like several years later you get married and you're like, Oh, it's my wedding dinner, but I'm not in my eating window. I can't eat right? <laughs> not realistic. And PCOS yeah. is a lifelong condition. We have to continuously manage. We have to pick something that works for us long-term, right? Mm-hmm. Because if we hop on these trendy things and hop on these diets, we heard our aunt, sisters, brothers, cats, goats, friend, like it, that they're not realistic to continue long-term. Yeah. So I'm not a big fan of intermittent fasting. I'm, and for the, some of the similar reasons, not a big fan for the keto of the keto diet. Either. Yeah. 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 It's similar to my approach with patients. I'll have them do three meals, couple snacks, helping to regulate that blood sugar. And I like to really try to get them to a place where they can do three meals or they can do intermittent fasting here and there, but not to where it's an every, everyday thing. Cause I totally agree. I think for women, it's, it's not a fit. It's not how we're, I think, designed to eat. We're more of the grazers, but I think that sometimes our types, the, the type of diet that is what most women use as a grazing diet, isn't really like genetically the type of grazing diet we're meant to have, but if you can do it in a healthy way, I think it's really key. Awesome. Let's see. I'm trying to think there's anything else about this. So gluten and dairy free, I know it's a big thing, right? Nutrition kind of world. So what do we know about this in the research with PCOS? We know that we have zero research studies, zero zip that demonstrate that going gluten and dairy free is helpful for PCOS. Mm -hmm. So it's not something that I recommend. There's lots of people out there that 
make a lot of money preaching that because it's a very simple approach, right? If things were that easy, oh, just cure cancer by taking out bananas. It sounds, if it sounds, I always tell my clients this and my followers, if it sounds too good to be too, too good to be true, it probably is. Mm-hmm. So we have to, to look beyond eliminating things and taking things out of our diet. I will say right. that everybody's unique. Everybody's different. If you're lactose intolerant, you're definitely going to feel better taking dairy out. And also if you have acne, we do have research when it comes to taking dairy out for acne. And a lot of women with PCOS who deal with acne find that helpful. Yep. But outside of that dairy, gluten, these do have nutrients that can be helpful. But I always say that when I'm saying it's okay to eat gluten and dairy, I'm not recommending you eat an all bread, all cheese diet all day, every day, everything in moderation, we have to really embrace this concept of balance and always look to the research because we can't rely on what we call anecdotal evidence, which is basically where we have when the internet fosters so much, unfortunately, people who decide that they make one change in their diet, it works for them. And then they go get a two hour nutrition certificate and they're now coaches. And now they're preaching this to thousands of women that are are paying for that. And it's just, it's bad science and it's not the way to go about making recommendations for for the masses. So we look to science, we look to research, we look to evidence to make those guidelines and we don't have any on gluten and dairy. Again, like if you want to test it out and see how your body does, cool, like have at that, but not everyone with PCOS is going to find that helpful. And also keeping in mind that it doesn't mean that there isn't a link. It's just that we don't have evidence to show that in the research. So that's important to know that distinction and also looking, looking at it further. Okay. If someone has PCOS and it's a blood sugar regulation problem, if they're doing a bunch of cookies and bagels and stuff, it's probably going to be an issue versus if they're having like a whole grain, high fiber bread that has gluten in it, that's going to be different on how it's going to affect your body. Same thing with dairy. If you're having like a low fat, just processed crap dairy, versus mm-hmm. something that's high fat, maybe raw, yeah. something just high nutrient that's going to be really different. Totally. So yeah, I think that's really important too. Um, yes. And I see a lot of success too. If someone's like, oh, I took out gluten and dairy and I finally lost weight and I wasn't losing weight before. It must be because of the actual gluten and dairy. If you think about it, if you go out to a pizza place, okay, you can't get the pizza. You're going to end up getting a salad. You can't go for ice cream later. You're going to skip that. You're going to go home and eat something different. Yeah. And also a lot of those gluten and dairy, gluten and dairy is in so many things, so many processed things. When we're avoiding those foods, a lot of times it can help our inflammation levels come down. We yeah. are inevitably eating better because we're eating more fiber. We're eating our whole nutrient dense foods. We're avoiding lots of greasy, you know, processed fried things and we're out and about. So of course you lost weight. So it's, it's important to think about, Correlation, you always talk about in science, correlation does not equal causation and correlation, not the same thing. Always remember that when you're thinking about taking things out, what am I really getting at? What's, what is it really helping? A hundred percent. And I love the focus of bringing things in first before going gluten and dairy free, making sure you're eating consistently, (laughs) good protein, fat, fiber, good nutrients, getting that in first and not being so restrictive. I love, love that approach. Awesome. Anything else about this you think is important? of those you, for me in in my practice, I, I do a lot of testing. I look at deficiencies, looking at leaky gut food sensitivities, Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff and tailor it from there. But anything that we know in the research specifically for PCOS in terms of supplements. Yeah. One thing that can be really helpful is basically like an inositol. Uh-huh. And also yep. talking really helpful for blood sugar and androgen regulation. It's also great for egg okay. quality when we're yeah. 
fertility, but there's a supplement called Ovacetol, which uh-huh. I really like. That one's a good one. Also, I don't know if you know this too, but I do have my own PCOS supplement line. Yes. So, yes. That's right. Yeah. I have different products. Some of the most popular are an androgen blocker. So mm-hmm. super helpful for bringing that testosterone down and helping to eliminate some of those symptoms. Which would be like acne and then the hair, the hair, hair loss. Yes. Mm-hmm. On the yep. face, on the body. Yeah. Hair yep. loss. And then the cortisol calmer adaptogen blend really sleep is also not a super sexy topic, but it is like the, the foundation of good health. Yep. Yes. Exactly. Um, I always talk about magnesium. It's great for mood. It's great for sleep and it's great for digestion. So I have a magnesium too. So those are supplements. And I, I think another thing to, to just hit on is if somebody's listening and they're like, I, I want to know if I have PCOS or I, I think I do, or I do have PCOS. What, how can I get updated lab work? I get asked that a lot. What can I ask my doctor for to check out the current state of my health? Mm -hmm. So here's a list, quick, easy list. Ask your doctor for a full hormone panel. That's going to include testosterone, estrogen, progesterone, luteinizing hormone, thyroid stimulating hormone. So ask for that. Ask for a pelvic ultrasound. If you're looking for a PCOS diagnosis and you want to see if that's a factor, ask for that. And lastly, ask for a fasting glucose or insulin test and your A1C. That's going to look at your blood sugar, see if we've got any insulin resistance happening, which would then warrant really focusing on a lower carb diet with PCOS. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. We are at a higher risk for diabetes, which yep. is all this. Yeah. And work with someone who is going to also interpret your labs from more of a holistic perspective too. If you ask your primary care to run hormones, they probably laugh at you unless you're menopausal. So just keeping that in mind. And if your doctor doesn't run that, find someone who's going to listen to you. It's very important. Yes. Yeah, exactly. We're the customer in that situation. Yep. We're paying. They they work for you. hundred percent. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cool. I love this, Corey. This has been just such a really helpful topic and and very useful for people and just having very armed with information. Anything else about this you think it's important to touch on? I, I think that's it. I think we've covered a lot of good stuff. So um, yeah. How can people follow you? How can they take partake in what you offer? Yeah. My Instagram is at the women's dietitian and my handle is the same across the board. TikTok, my website's thewomensdietitian.com. And then there on my website, my supplements are there. My line is called Vita PCOS. I also have protein powders, which are awesome and they're super delish. So you can find me there. And then I run my two signature programs a few times a year. I have my Get Pregnant with PCOS, which I've been doing for a little over three years now. And then I have my PCOS Boss Academy. So both of those are focused on PCOS symptom management. Of course, one of them is fertility. We have so many pregnancies, so many babies from that program. It's amazing. And then my boss Academy is really focused on sustainable, non-restrictive permanent weight loss. So that's what I I got going on. And I I'm always open to questions. My inbox is always open on. (laughs) Great. Can you, can you share a favorite story of someone who was able to get pregnant? Yeah. Someone actually, I just posted this today. One of my clients exactly a year today would be a a year to the day of when we stopped working together, she lost 50, maybe 60 pounds with me and she just got a positive pregnancy test. So I honestly don't have a favorite, (laughs) but, um, and what would you say mainly helped her with her? I would say working on her macros women do is figure out exactly what their macros need to be for their mm-hmm. PCOS, how many carbs versus protein versus fat versus fiber, how many, and how calories. do you determine that for an individual? 
Yeah. There are different calculations that we learn as dietitians. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'll refer back to those. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then of course, looking at the research and what's most helpful for PCOS specifically. Yeah. Yeah. It's having those specifics is key because you don't even realize what you're eating throughout the day until you do some tracking. Astounding. (laughs) Every time. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Such a rewarding job you have, I'm sure. Yes. I absolutely love it. I'm super passionate about it. So I can tell. Thank you, Corey, for your time. All of you guys go follow her, go support her and what she's doing. She's doing some good stuff and I'm looking forward to uh, seeing what you do next. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you for having me. Take care, everybody. You too. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Dr. Low Radio. Thank you so much for joining us. And for more after the show, you can head over to drlowshow.com where you can find the show notes. Be sure to subscribe to the show and share with all your friends. And please head over to iTunes and leave the show a five-star review and leave a comment. I read each and every one and they warm my heart. Thank you so much again for joining us. I promise to keep bringing you fun, inspiring, empowering content. Until next time, lots of love and I'll talk to you soon.